I think about kids on TikTok and how hard it's going to be for them to read a book. How like Oh shit, yeah. Foster and you are listening to the latest episode of your third favorite above average but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out, a show dedicated to exploring both the mysteries and the meaning of life, a kaleidoscope of culture, society, and yeah, it's it's something like that. This week, we are concluding our two-part conversation with the wonderful Dr. Lauren Serpico, who is not only just a bona fide expert in the field of social media, but is also just a cracking conversation as well. Now, if you missed last week's episode, obviously, I suggest you go and check that out. Not only is it a great bleed through to this episode, but you are going to learn some real great helpful stuff as well. We tap into some healthy advice and tips when it comes to general social media use and working from home, as well as just general healthy, helpful advice to being kinder to yourself, allowing yourself to be and allowing yourself to do things for yourself, which is something that we really tap into with this episode as well, as it pertains very much to the idea of chasing the unicorn, the idea of chasing that mythical ideal of perfect, that ever-elusive phantom and not entirely real objective that often accompanies our social media use. Yeah, we're going to tap into that, we're going to tap into the idea of social media being a measuring stick between ourselves and other people, and more specifically, ourselves and ourselves. Outside of that, we also open up the subject to Britney Spears' dance routines and, you know, the double-edged sword that is micro-content, that ever-increasing trend that is just everywhere now. How it is pushing the parameters of creativity, but also having an effect on people's attention span. So, yeah, a lot to break down, a lot to get into, so let's not waste any more time. This is part two of me talking to the wonderful Dr. Lauren Serpico. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So I want to kind of get back to the idea of chasing the unicorn and this idea of comparative behavior, because it is something that we, we see a lot. And it's something that to some degree, all of us do to various levels. What are some things that you could suggest or, or would perhaps flow out there for people to try and throw themselves into or, or sort of experiment with to, to kind of try and remove themselves from there? Like, what do you see as potential ideas to kind of tackle that problem or sort of put a bit of space between it? I feel like when you're in that comparative mindset, there's typically like specific people that you're, that you might be triggered by or mm. specific types of people that you're, you're triggered by. So again, asking yourself why, but why, why might not be enough? That's pretty broad. Asking yourself, right. what do you have in common with this person? What, what are your differences with this person? If you could trade lives with that person, what are the things that you would be excited about? Or what, what are the things about your life that you would miss if you were trading shoes with this person? And trying to think of it 
more empathetically of like putting yourselves in that shoes of that person and see if that makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable and where that comparison is coming from. Is it coming from something like that's, that's kind of surface level of, oh, well, they have really nice hair and I, and I like their hair. <laughs> you might be like, okay, well, maybe I just really like their hair. So maybe, maybe I need a haircut. Maybe I need to freshen something up about my appearance. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's something where you're like, oh, I really like the job that they have. Then maybe it might, might take you down a path of, well, what is it about their job that I like? Is there something new in my job that I could be doing? Do I feel like I'm being challenged? Are there steps that I could take to get a job similar to theirs? So rather than just being like, oh, that person's perfect. I hate them. Oh, like, <laughs> I don't want to see this. I'm like, toxic. It's like, before you're so quick to just throw labels on something or just, obviously, I think it's always good to just like, if something bothers you so much, then don't look at it. Don't follow that type of right. person. But also, again, going back to that question of what can I learn from this? Why does this bother you so much? Mm-hmm. What, what is it that's, or what do you admire so much about this person? And what are some action steps that you could take to, to put some of that into your life or into what you're putting out into the world? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point is, is asking what it is that draws you to that person, to that post. What is it that either makes you admire what you're seeing or what makes you feel that you're in edit? Like, what is the focal point? What is it that is drawing you to that? And what is it that's creating that sense of, of comparison and then kind of latching onto that? rather than the feeling of, oh, this person's perfect. I hate them. I wish they'd go away. Because then you can start to identify patterns and then you can anticipate it. And then once you kind of speak to something, it it makes it real. And then Mm. it's not so much of a unicorn anymore. You just start to say, okay, well, when I see people with really nice hair, I get angry. (laughs) And you you can anticipate that and you know that about yourself. And again, it's just kind of contributing to that self-awareness. And I think there's, there is so much that social media is already doing and we don't even know what the future holds and we really don't have much to say in it. It's just going to keep going. Right. But we have control over ourselves. We, we, when we can take it back to us. So it's not even about correcting social media behavior or use. It's really learning about us, mm-hmm. our own self-awareness, what makes us comfortable, what we enjoy doing. Because then nobody, this, this could be a robot, this could be about whatever, whatever kind of word, technology is thrown at us, the more that we can adapt as, as human beings, the, the better our emotional toolkit is kind of built up to be. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to dive in to a pretty broad question. It's a pretty broad brushstroke here, but we're going to look at both hard ends and then kind of maybe try and work our way into the middle. So let's start with the first end. Is social media a bad thing? Well, this is the question. <laughs> <laughs> my, my original comparison that I would make when I was kind of early in this field was if you had a hammer, you could build a house or you can hit something in the head with it. Oh, yeah. So okay. social media is this tool that we could use to either, and again, this was very preliminary. So the biggest kind of issue with social media was like bullying. So you use it to promote mm-hmm. positive mental health or you could bully someone. So it's the tool, it's the way that you're using it. So that was my original thought right. with social media use of thinking yourself as an individual within it. But then the more social media began to grow, the more you see data being used in ways that really isn't respectful to the individual or you see specific social networks such as TikTok that are really catering to short attention spans to be able to really get into your brain much quicker. 
that's what makes me think that this tool isn't just a hammer. <laughs> this hammer has a little right. bit more of an agenda, has a little bit more mind of its own. So social media as a concept, I think is great. I think it's really cool to be able to think about 20 years ago, you're watching the news or you're watching a TV show and you're like, wow, I really like that shirt that they're wearing, or I really want to talk to someone else who's watching this show and be able to connect in different ways. I think that's great for family members and even just over this past year of how it's allowed us to connect in different ways. Absolutely. I think that's wonderful. 100%. That's that's making a house with the hammer for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, now let's get into the murder right. side of the house. <laughs> exhibit A in the courtroom side. Yeah. When anything has such power, when you have this powerful thing, no matter what it is, people with the best intention or not the best intentions are going to get their hands on it. And this is when we start to see things happening that that aren't good. And that's like, wow, like, we we might be a lot better off if social media never happened. But then that poses the question of technology would still progress, things would still progress where people who want your attention or people who want your data will find a different Mm -hmm. way something else would have happened. So it's it's a double edged sword. It still comes back to the way that we use things. So now we have to be even more intentional of what we're doing with our data, what we're sharing, how mindful we are. It puts a lot more of a burden on the user, but also knowing that there's so much against you. There's so much that wants your attention span to be short. So you're like swimming upstream, practicing these things that we're talking mm-hmm. about, really, really focusing these muscles and how much easier it is to just kind of flop back and float with it and be like, take my data. I don't really care. What are you going to know? I'm going to call the pizza guy. Like (laughs) it's easy to have that mindset, but it just represents so much more of the things that we have control of and the things Mm -hmm. that we don't. Yeah. So I I think you've touched upon some really interesting points about, uh, yeah, the hammer analogy is is brilliant. It's about as perfect as you can get, I think for social media, because yeah, it is a tool that can be used for greatness that can be used to build, to create all sorts of amazing things, whether that is products, whether that's um, organizations, whether that is just simple connections, whether that's reconnecting with someone you've not spoke to for years, or it's establishing new connections. Um, you know, it's an amazing thing. But as you say, if if the person wielding it doesn't have the best intentions, then then yeah, it can be pretty pretty bad. But to go back to what I was saying before, it's the process is still the same. People have been able to cause misery and damage and all sorts of hell with offline tools, with different things. It's it's the process is the same. The framework is just different. And, you know, people are always going to have bad intentions. People are always going to have good intentions. It's just a case of how mindful you are about your intentions and, and your output, I guess, as well as what you consume. I feel like I'm kind of uniquely positioned to being born in the 90s because I I still can remember life before it and I know Mm -hmm. how quickly it's changed but for younger generations for them to kind of just flop with it because it's what they were born into they don't know anything different for us it's like okay well I see the way that this is changing this so that's why I'm thinking about this or this is different because of this it 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 makes me think Mm -hmm. more critically Whereas they don't have the ability to think critically about that because they didn't have that right. experience beforehand. So really 
teaching them about it. And I, I'm so in tune to it as well, because my sister was born in 2000. So I remember where the technology was. So DVDs started, so she didn't even have to rewind a VHS. Oh, so instant gratification, again, isn't their fault. If you don't have to rewind it, if you could just press play, that's great. But that, that's changing the way that your brain is wired from the start, where you're not thinking about things that happened beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. There is. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that or don't even think about it to begin with. But there is an entire generation that was born into this idea of instant gratification and instant accessibility uh, that don't have a before, that don't have the, the sort of knowledge of the framework that existed earlier, but just know this and, you know, have kind of, as I said before, hit the ground running with it a little bit and just kind of keep up as best they can. I always talk about how you could connect with like people who were born in your generation, even if you don't know them based on like different shows that we watched on Nickelodeon, where it's like, oh my God, I love the Rugrats or, you know, uh, Hey Arnold was a great show. But then now like for kids growing up on YouTube, how many different things there are to watch, how hard it is for them to connect down the road because it's like, there, there aren't these overarching things that we could talk about. It's like, oh, well, you were on TikTok. But it's not the same as like having a unifying show mm-hmm. or an idea where everyone who watched a certain show can think back to a certain episode or things will remind you of that. It, it almost takes away childlike curiosity because you have so many answers at your fingertips at all times. So I want to I want to dive into to TikTok. You've mentioned this a couple of times. I didn't actually plan on this, but it's actually for me it's very interesting. I feel very much. I like the idea as a concept to a yeah. degree, but I go back and forth with it because I like the idea of of this is a really interesting tool allows people to be creative you know it gives them parameters it gives them a set amount of space to be able to make something and I think that is actually creatively and artistically really interesting because if you have complete free reign in the sandbox then you really don't I don't know I feel like you don't have that much sort of external pressure to create something as possibly as good whereas if you have given as I say parameters and sort of limitations it kind of narrows your focus a little bit more and it makes you think okay I've only got this to work with what can I do with that so I really like it from that aspect but the same point as you said before the social media as a whole is a bit of a double-edged sword and for me TikTok is definitely because it's that short attention span aspect I just worry a little bit that that's a trajectory that we're heading into and it's a trend that's going to become the norm where it's like okay rather than creating things with depth and substance which you could do if you had a full open sandbox you are now just getting these tiny minuscule bite-sized pieces of attention grabbing material it's kind of like clickbait headlines but in digital form i could not agree more i'm kind of petrified (laughs) you can already tell by the features that instagram has adapted how quickly it's like taking tiktok features Mm -hmm. and integrating it so we know that's the trajectory of how different social medias are going to be used i like i think about kids on tiktok and how hard it's going to be for them to read a book how like oh shit yeah attention span of just going from five second video to six second video to then sit down and reading a book 
-hmm. It's working in social media strategy, then trying to take scientific information or important information and deliver it in six seconds, but making sure you got that hook in the three seconds. <laughs> that, that's why I use it. That's because I want to learn and I right. want to see people who are good at it or doing it and how you can relay authentic information or at least draw enough people in to want to learn more about you or learn right. more about what you're doing. So I feel like just in working social media, any social media I use, I'm like, this is for research. <laughs> specifically is research. Instagram, I feel like is my strongest that I use to grow my community. But like TikTok, I, I like um, figuring out if I make a piece of content, will it perform better on TikTok versus Instagram? How different hashtags work? What the heck FYP means? Like why, why do people use that for whose page? Like, if everyone's using it, then who sees it? I, I have so many more questions than answers, to be honest. Going back to the unicorn, it's like, it's fun. I, my mom just got all of our VHSs uploaded, like as you saw. Uh-huh. And the number of videos, like my mom holding the camera has of my friends and I doing dances to Britney. <laughs> Years, my soul. <laughs> I just watched one. It was AM to PM, and I'm like, I have to. Old. <laughs> I look nothing like what a 14 year old girl looked like dancing on TikTok. So while me and my friends were having fun, preteens, 11 year olds making up dances, having fun, we were just watching like the music video, and even that mm-hmm. was like provocative or risque or whatever it may be. And, we're making up our own dances, but then now you have TikTok where everyone's doing these same dances. And it's like, it's not even the creative, like I, I have been in dance my whole life. So like that is my creative language that I love to speak. So I, I think that it's super fun when you see people learning the same dance, because that's mm-hmm. turned on, even though they're using technology, they're turning on a different part of their brain now where they're watching something and they're moving. So that that's fun that they're doing that. But it also takes out the creativity of making up a dance on your own. And you're also not doing it for yourself. Now you're doing it to look like everyone else. And then you compare yourself to the unicorn of the person who's like really good at the dance. And then you watch yourself doing it. And you're like, oh, I don't look like that. I'm an awful dancer. So again, it's like the pros and cons of we were doing these things. These things started, but now it's just a weird kind of stage where everyone's doing it. And I I, I also don't really understand all the dance moves. <laughs> I feel like TikTok, there's like hip hop, jazz, ballet, and TikTok. Like that, that's a style of its, it's own. It's its own genre. <laughs> yeah, there's a okay. lot of hand things like that's that's a strange thing in in maybe five ten years there maybe will be dance schools that specify in tiktok classics classical tiktoks the more i like look at different things my youtube suggestions like 20 minute dance class tiktok dances and i was like what where are we (laughs) (laughs) where am i how did i get here Uh, so I want to kind of just keep things just really quickly on, on TikTok. And that's actually a point, again, that I didn't plan on, on talking about. But yeah, you do see a lot of, of younger people using this, a lot of people emulating the same sort of dances and stuff. One question, and I may sound like an older person beyond my even already established advanced years when I ask this. Do you feel like social media has the potential to kind of not exactly eradicate youth culture as we knew it? Like, do you feel like it's speeding children's 
desire to be older up? Like, do you feel like it's cutting out the joy and some of the innocence? And like you say, just goofing around doing Britney routines while someone's mum films it. You know, it's now done as a performance piece for the world to gain likes, to gain recognition, and it kind of takes out the sort of innocent naivety of it. Um, do you feel like this is, and this is kind of looking at possibly the, the bad hammer-wielding yeah. uh, murder weapon aspect of social media, do you feel like that has the potential to kind of strip kids of, of their childhood a little bit? Absolutely. I touched upon this before, because it's not just TikTok, it's the internet as yeah. a whole. For sure. It's a childlike sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. You can Google anything that you want, whereas your imagination is being formed through your curiosity. And I think that is also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most important things, I never really pictured myself going down a therapy path, but one of the most important courses I took as a psychology major was in counseling and how to like be a counselor. And something that stuck out with me forever about effective listening was just always be curious, always have curiosity. And then this theme has come up over and over in business, businesses that succeed are the ones that are curious. So having this skill of curiosity is something that stems in our childhood. And if we're stripping ourselves of that at such a young age, then what does this mean for these children when they grow up? Besides Mm -hmm. jumping right into adulthood and not having the fun part of being a kid, what does this mean for their curiosity? How are they going to be able to tap into that? Where we say that being this this is all going to lead to all of us being so um, narcissistic and we can't, we can't say that one thing causes another, but maybe our lack of curiosity in others is going to make us more narcissistic because we're not, we're not wondering so much about things. We think that we have all the answers because of this search engine that we have. I think just the, not even social media, the internet as a whole and social media, I think exacerbates that because kids want their hands on the technology to be Mm -hmm. able to be on these social networks. But having just free range to just know everything. I think part of being a kid is not knowing everything and imagining your answers to it. But to me, that's also one of the big joys of just life in general is, I mean, yeah, it's great to have accessibility to information. And I always encourage people to educate themselves further in subjects they're interested in, but particularly subjects that they didn't think they would be interested in and try. But I also just love the idea of there are some things which we're just not meant to know. And we shouldn't know because there's a joy to that. There's like this, uh, you know, you could call it some sort of romantic allure, I guess. Um, but it's it's wonderful sometimes to just not know. It's it's part of just being, I think. You know, it's what makes uh, living much more interesting. I said earlier that I was worried about the attention span of reading a book. Yeah. Remember just the joy of going to the library as a kid and going down different aisles and it's like oh yeah. I want to learn about it and like clearly by these stories I was a very nerdy child <laughs> <laughs> I had a lizard I loved the library <laughs> but going down and learning things in that way where you don't even know what you're curious about mm-hmm. until seeing different pages of books or different right. sections and then you're going to sit down and you're going to learn about this so I think just information overload is an issue because our brains have not been developed to process that much information at once. Like we're moving much faster than our biology. Like Mm -hmm. technology is light years ahead of our biology. 
in the way that we absorb information and in the way that we connect with others. Like we're meant to connect with others. We're meant to thrive in our communities, but communities that reach everybody, we, we were not equipped for this. This, this wasn't a biological plan. So I think also in our chase of the unicorn, we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace in knowing yeah. that when yeah. we find ourselves comparing, we get so hard on ourselves. Like, why am I comparing myself to this person? They only have 17 followers. And then you get mad at yourself. You're getting mad at another person. And like, it's just this like ugly spiral. So like being graceful with yourself on your journey, whatever journey that is, and like being understanding and compassionate with yourself, I think is also part of that self-awareness. To help people on their journey and to kind of tie us up pretty nicely, I think. Uh, I want to probe your brain for some sort of healthy tips yeah. and uh, productive ideas for social media use. It can be general, it can be in depth, but just things that I think uh, will help all of us in general and specifically anything that might help uh, keep the unicorn at bay. <laughs> I think this is a good time to really summarize because a lot of the tips that I typically gave, we've touched upon. Okay. The first, challenging yourself to see if you can remember different things that you've learned throughout the day. But being intentional, maybe if you keep a certain journal, just where you write down something that you learned each day, because that be, that makes you more of an active consumer of your information rather than just having information happen at you. As a tip mm-hmm. to kind of stop that mindless scrolling, picking a cue of something you see in your feed, whether it's animals or reels or whatever, whatever form of social media, whatever it is true to you, that's a great little cue or a reminder to kind of come back to the world. I really like your intentional use of social media of how if you really like something, why? Like, let let that person know that. A lot of people who don't create content don't realize how much work goes into content creation. So just getting a little note of acknowledgement of like, wow, this was really informative or wow, like I, I really like this post that really does one, mean a lot to the person that created it to allow you to make new connections with people. So whether you're trying to grow your audience or you're just trying to connect with your network, spending your time authentically interacting with people rather than just going through and mindlessly scrolling, because then maybe in your list of things that you've learned, you might have a list of people that you enjoy learning from, and then they're your trusted right. source of kind of learning new information. And, and finally, planning those free times of your day, thinking about your ideal day and What are those things that you would do that you're not going to put a big chunk of your time and say, I'm going to scroll through Instagram for three hours. What are those things that made you happy as a kid? Was it swinging on the swing or painting a picture, doing things that aren't public facing? Something for me, when kind of lockdown first started, I started journaling again. And when I did that, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, it has been so long that I wrote something that was just for myself. And it wasn't a journal that was going to then be turned into a blog or be turned into outward content. I would tell myself, oh, I'm journaling, I'm writing, but it was all for other people. It was all for the outward world. Do more things for you. So kind of Peter, a lot of people will call themselves either an introvert or an extrovert or a combination of the two. But the truth is that it exists on a spectrum and that we kind of adapt and, and we'll fall somewhere on there. So Social media, there, there's so much extroversion going on that we don't kind of take a turn inward. So doing things that are creative for you. So maybe learn that TikTok dance that you want to learn. 
but do it for yourself yeah do more things that again the silly cliche that make you forget to check your phone but do more things that are for you and then you'll realize like wow I had so much fun writing I had so much fun doing that dance I'm going to do that again tomorrow or I'm going to spend more time doing it and then you find more and more that you're doing more things throughout the day that are for you or that are creative or even if it's just taking a nap, whatever it may be, presenting your food in, in a pretty way on your plate. It could be whatever feels natural to you, but it doesn't necessarily have to be to like take a picture of it or to share on social media. I, I like that a lot. And, and that's something that I want to start doing more of myself is, is taking time for just things that will only belong to me for me. Because I do, I think that's, that's a, an, um, I mean, they're all amazing tips. Um, but yeah, specifically that one I like a lot because it kind of does really reinforce the joy of doing something and and not specifically doing it for a purpose other than to to make you happy to put you in a place of comfort and and sort of well-being especially when you're a content creator right so many that create Mm -hmm. content we find joy in doing this we really love what we do it and that's why we do it so it's not that that's a bad thing but then you forget the joy of having your own creative playground and and that that could help your outward content. That could help some of the things that you then create to put out into the world because you're finding such joy in the things that you do for yourself that you're able to kind of turn on different parts of your brain or your creativity that might might make you think differently than when you're just kind of in your grind of creation mode for doing things outwardly. So not not forgetting to check in with yourself. So there you go. That is the concluding part of our conversation with the wonderful Dr. Lauren Serpico. Big thank you to Dr. Lauren for coming onto the show and sharing her expertise and insight when it comes to all things social media. Speaking of which, you can find even more insightful and fantastic content from Dr. Lauren by finding her on Instagram at Serpico. We'll also be throwing a link to her Instagram and anything else that is going on with her in the show notes for this episode, which you can find on the website dimed-out.com or in the show notes for the very device you're listening to this on. And whilst you're in there having a rummage around, you'll also be able to find a couple of links which will allow you, if you feel so inclined, to give some support to what we're doing here at Dimed Out to help us move forward and grow even bigger. Yeah, you'll be able to find a link to our coffee page, which allows you to give a one-off donation if you feel so inclined. And you'll also see a link to our Dined Out Patreon account as well, which allows you to receive plenty of juicy bonus extras. But if that is not your particular cup of coffee, then don't worry, because there are other ways in which you can help the show enormously. First and foremost, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to us. We are available via whatever podcast platform you prefer. Just uh, smash that subscribe button. Oh, I feel so terrible saying that. Oh. Oh, I just felt my skin crawl. Yeah, you can smash that subscribe button or you could just gently tap it. I mean, the latter is probably preferred. You know, let's be honest, because I don't want you breaking any of your devices. Don't do that. Don't do that on my account. So yeah, just tap, gently tap that subscribe button. It helps us out enormously and it gives you every episode moving forward without having to do a thing. Ratings and reviews, of course, help enormously as well. So if you want to spare a few moments... Write a few nice lines, maybe a haiku. Yeah, hey, maybe there's a competition in that. Who can write the nicest 
<laughs> that's the that's the judging quality. The nicest haiku, not the best, but the nicest. What I deemed to be the kindest haiku as a review. In fact, hey, there you go. It rhymes already. Haiku reviews. Let's do this. I want to see these. I want to see some haiku reviews, please. And uh, yeah, I want you to submit them officially. Obviously, that is the main purpose of this. But I also want you to send them over to me as well. And the best way you can do that, along with any other piece of correspondence you have regarding the show, or just anything you want to send my way, is uh, over on Twitter and Instagram at I am Mal Foster. That is the place to find me. That is the place to send me your questions, your feedback, your suggestions for future episodes, and your haiku reviews. For next week's episode, I'm going to be presenting my two weeks with Karen, which admittedly on the surface kind of sounds like I've been going on holiday with one of those self-righteous, sanctimonious, racist white women you see in a public freakout that goes viral on the internet. I haven't. I just want to put that out there. I want to just declare that I haven't, and I never would. Unless, you know, Karen's going to be paying for everything. We have separate rooms, and I never have to see her. The Karen in question, the Karen we're going to be talking about and talking with next week, is not a racist troglodyte screeching like a vulture that's just flown into an electric fence. It is, in fact, not even a person. It is a virtual life coach. It is an app. And the way that it works is very similar to those very popular video games from the 90s that you would get for the PC, where it's basically just cutscenes. And you make a number of decisions, and whatever you choose, it gives you a different cutscene, and so forth. A a choose-your-own-adventure type thing, but with pre-recorded scenes. And as I said, it's a virtual life coach, so the idea here is that it's simulating a coach-client relationship with the idea being that you are as open and as honest and as candid as possible with your questions. So, yeah, I did that for two weeks, and next week I'm going to be presenting the results, which are, well, yeah, you're just going to have to tune in next week to find out. And on that note, on that little cliffhanger, I'm going to leave you guys. That's it for this week. As always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time... Keep it dimed out.